If there are three things that Africa has given the Western world, it would be papyrus, hurricanes, and snails the size of your forearm. On the world's list of invasive species, the giant African land snail is high up on the list. But what makes this sluggish slime ball such a problem? Join us as we take an awkward glance into an odd form of reproduction that makes these giant gastropods a global part of life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy, your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today, we're talking about the only animal to ever make Coyote Peterson from Brave Wilderness utter the phrase, I've never been more excited to find a mollusk. I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) A human being out there is named Coyote? Coyote Peterson. Yeah. Okay, no. You've never seen the guy that, like, gets bit by everything? I've seen the crocodile hunter. He's like a crocodile hunter for millennials. So he's got that, like, shaved haircut with the... No. He's got a hat. As millennials tend to do. (laughs) (laughs) But he, uh... He likes to get bit by things. Oh. He has videos of him getting stung and bit by the most painful bites and stings. And so what is he doing with a mollusk? Uh, well, he also does just regular nature videos. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, he just refuses to handle it if it's not going to sting him. He's like, this is gross. I'm touching it. So does he Does he do that with... So does he have like a bear video where he gets bit by a bear? Nobody has a crocodile video. He gets bit by a crocodile? A small one, yeah. Oh, whatever. He has a, another one with his snapping turtle where he he builds like a, a little like thing of armor, like made of wood or something, and he, he puts it around his forearm, and he has the thing bite him, but it slips. It like squeezes the armor to expose like flesh, and then it slips off the armor and gets him right on like a chunk of skin, Ooh. and it just does not look like a fun time. Is this the same guy who puts on, like, um, one of those special suits and then tries to get swallowed by a python? No, that was, um, that was, like, that was, like, ah, what's his name? Not Steve-O. Who does, he did, they did all those stunt shows together. It was, like, this old MTV, like, stunt show with animals. Anyway, are you ready? Coyote Peterson was happy to see a mollusk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. Super excited about it. Okay. Um, Because it's an exciting mollusk, a.k.a. it's a snail. <laughs> giant African land snail. Yep. And it's the coolest snail in a land snail victory. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hear some taxonomy, you know? Some some taxonomical breakdown. Uh it's in a kingdom, probably my favorite kingdom. Alright. So I'm I'm just gonna start Kingdom uh, of God. I'm <laughs> Kingdom of Heaven. I'm gonna start uh with letters and you just stop me. Okay. What I, all right. Uh, a. That's the one. Dang it. <laughs> I mean, good. <laughs> Animalia. Um, as that is one of those givens. Uh, phylum. Mollusca. Because it's a dirty mucus monster. It's pretty gross. Yeah. Uh, class, gastropoda. Order, Acatinoidea. So does gastropoda mean you're a stomach foot? Yes, it does. <laughs> it actually kind of does. Yeah, its it whole does. body is a foot. Anyway, you hear, you didn't hear me nail the order. <laughs> I did hear you. Acatinoidea. Acatinoidea. Uh, family, Acatinidae. Yep, that's what I got. Genus, uh, there's two genuses. Uh, Genera. There's, 
Excuse you. Excuse you. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gastropoda. <laughs> <laughs> What's Gastropoda with you? Akatina is one genus. Mm-hmm. Another one is yeah, Lysacatina. Lysacatina? Lysacatina. Lysacatina? Yeah. So there's two. We're going to be... Uh, basically, there's two species or sp- or specie or whatever you want to say. Of species, use your ashes. Species of giant snails from Africa. One is Akatina, Akatina, Akatina. Let me go. <laughs> and the other one is Lysacatina fulcia, or folica. There she goes. And that's Lysacatina. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, this is hard. So, but, uh, by that, by that little reference to Bohemian Rhapsody, I mean it's Akatina, Akatina. The species is also just called Akatina. So, that's your taxonomical breakdown. We're mas- basically <laughs> we are mainly talking about the Lysacatina fulica, mm-hmm. largest snail in the world. It is. It has the record. Yep, the Guinness record. Um. And where in the world does it live? It has the record for having imbibed the most Guinnesses. I wouldn't be surprised. It's quite large. Okay, so Um, it's definitely from Africa. Yeah. East Africa, specifically. Yes, but... But but now it's absolutely everywhere. Yeah. It's spread throughout the world because it's a popular pet, because it's a freaking huge snail. (laughs) Yep, it's it's a snail the size of a small cat. Neat as heck with an asterisk over the E. Um, but also, it's a food item in certain places. I'm trying to figure out why there's an asterisk over the E. Heck. You never seen that? Like, oh. I thought I was picturing the word neat. Heck and bamboozled. <laughs> like, why is there an asterisk over neat? Um, but yeah, cool pet. I guess if you like to touch things like snails. And nasty. Yeah, yeah. Not so, my Not my thing. <laughs> So now it can be found in China, Taiwan, India, Paci- the Pacific Islands, West Indies, and as of 2011, South Florida. Right down here. Yeah. Let's talk about this Florida invasion, the invasion of the tiny, disgusting slimes monsters. All right. Uh, so they lay, they were found here in, a, in 2011 in Miami, and they lay about 1,200 eggs a year. Yeah, I've got that on my uh I've got that on my list. So if you have just a few of these snails, it can get out of hand quickly. It also they have a 90% hatch rate. That's a lot. So And there's other things about them that we'll find out later that make this make them procreate quickly. Right. So let's let's just say that about 1000 of these eggs hatch successfully hatch from one. From one. Yeah. So there's, there were thousands in Miami after not too long. Um, and they eat a lot. And if you're listening to this podcast while you're eating, brace yourself because it's about to get gross. Unless you're eating some escargot. No, even if you are, it's going to get gross. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so they eat a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, so they're like gorging themselves as they, you know, tool around your garden in Miami. Voracious. Yeah. And, the, and in turn, they poop a lot. And they don't stop to poop. They just leave trails of waste behind them all up and down your walls. Is that what the slime is? Uh, no, it's I, not. <laughs> the, the slime can can just be mucus mm-hmm. that covers their body. and Mixed uh, with poop. 
So I read a Wall Street Journal article from 2011 that was about this. Uh, and here's a, a, a quote from it. I'm traumatized, said Lilium Hernandez last week as she and her husband recounted how they had discovered a five-inch specimen behind their house a while earlier. She said that it was so, she was so distraught at the sight of the slimy mollusk that she had gotten a migraine and had to lie down. <laughs> I mean, I feel really bad. I mean, and later it goes on, she can't even leave her house because she's so terrified of all the mollusks, they, all of the... Uh... I mean, imagine, because people are afraid of frogs and stuff like that. I can imagine you'd be afraid of snails. And then if you saw one that was this big, which we haven't even mentioned its size yet, but if you saw the one that was this big, you'd be like, well, I guess I'm going to die by snails. <laughs> All yeah. it takes is three of these to kill me. Die of fright? I, no, I would think that like, if, if, if they wanted to kill you and had some sort of mechanism to kill you, it would just take three of them stuck to you to, I don't know, drain your life essence. I don't know what they do. Oh, because they're so large. Yeah, because they're big. They don't do that, though. No, they don't. They're not They're not very dangerous. Um, well, apparently they're freaking great segue that I interrupted with what I'm saying now. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Well, they're not very dangerous. Okay, I know what you're going to talk about, though. There is risk to public health and crops. Uh, some they found recently, as of like 2015... Some may carry parasitic worms that cause meningitis in humans. Yep. Do you know what that's called? No. It's a nematode. Oh. Called Agniostrongylus. All right. Cantonensis. Wow. I'm not saying that again. <laughs> but yeah, it causes meningitis. Here's the thing. This isn't the first time this has happened. Uh, Someone's gotten meningitis? No, there's been an infestation in South Florida before. Oh, we're, this is a haven for... Uh, Invasive, invasive species. species. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the weather is good for it. We've and got pythons. We've got lionfish. Yep. That's all I can think of right the now. The snakehead. <laughs> yeah. Snakehead. Um, <laughs> I should be able to conjure up a more comprehensive list of invasive species here, but nope. That, that's Those are the highlights. So there, uh, there was a boy in 1966 uh, that brought three home from Hawaii. Um, and his grandma thought they were smelly. Because they are smelly. Because they probably, yeah. Uh, and they, and release them into her into their garden. Um, and it took almost 10 years to eradicate the infestation after that. She should have thrown them far away. Because it takes them a while to get places. Yeah. Far away where? Just a good baseball throw. Oh, from her. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> no, I mean like 10 years to eradicate the South Florida infestation. Not her house. Oh, like, literally, it exploded all over South Florida because of these three. Oh, okay. But now we have their back yeah. from outer space. Yeah, we're not super sure where this one came from. Probably some unscrupulous pet owner. Yeah. Well, they are, they are on the list of uh, top 100 most destructive invasive species in the world. Because of crops and stuff? And their... their Poo? Their proliferation. Oh, okay. I was going to say promiscuity. <laughs> <laughs> Stop being so unscrupulous with you. Using all these big words. Are we ready for the listener's favorite segment of the show? Do you mean uh, major facts? No. <laughs> Dang it. I mean measure up. Okay, there we go. And after I said this the last time, people, more people, unafraid. <laughs> to speak out. Unafraid to speak out came forward and said, 
It is my favorite part of the show. Some measure up warriors out there. (laughs) Here we go. The shell, um, the shell is like, just to give you a picture, it's not like the Nautilus type shells. I guess it is. It's not like, it's not like the SpongeBob Gary. Yeah. No. It's like, um, the corkscrew. It's conical. Yes. Nice. SpongeBob. Those are the two scientific terms, SpongeBob Gary and conical. (laughs) So the shell is about seven, can be about seven inches long. It's a big shell. Yeah. Uh, which is a little shorter than a pencil. Boring. Yeah. You know what? That's pretty, that's not very relatable. Let me give you a more relatable term. Okay. It's about. I've never seen a pencil before. It's. <laughs> I know something you have seen. Uh, it's about 135th Washington's nose on Mount Rushmore. Yeah. So 35 snail shells. Could make up his whole nose. Yes. Now, now you, now okay. you're getting a more accurate picture. Let's let's move on to girth. Now I know how many pencils will fit on Washington's nose. <laughs> a little less than thirty-five. A little less. Than, <laughs> um, Maybe thirty-three and a half. <laughs> so, about it's about three inches around the shell, um, and which is about fifteen thousand times as long as a nucleus. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Does that help? Man, that... I, I want everything measured in nuclei, please. <laughs> How many nuclei are you? I don't know. More than 15,000. More than 15,000. It just said nucleus? Nucleus. I don't know. It just did said it, nucleus. Did it mean nuclear family? <laughs> yeah, it did. It's there's <laughs> a family of two, a, a husband and a wife and... Uh, two and a half kids. 2.5 kids, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about how heavy it is. Okay. 1.3 to 2 pounds. That's on the really, really heavy end. Yeah. It's not. It's above average. 1.3 is the one I saw, and then 2 pounds was the heavy one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's roughly between a basketball and two-fifths of a chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got either a basketball or like... A chihuahua with no legs. If we're if we're playing twenty questions ever, it's gonna be like, is it heavier than a basketball? <laughs> is it smaller than a chihuahua with two legs? <laughs> um, then I'm gonna know exactly what we're talking about. And it's gonna be the giant African land snail. It is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the range it lives in. But so if you're considering that shell size, seven inches, three inches around, its body, especially when it's gorging itself. Is much larger than that, and it's gelatinous and hard to measure, and can stretch and shrink back and in, up inside all that. Mm-hmm. So, large, large creature. Also, for its class, I saw a diagram of a, a snail's anatomy, and I didn't realize how much of the snail, even when the like it's on the move and. Like pretty much as much of the snail as you're going to see is outside of the shell. It's all, it still has all of its organs in the shell, mm-hmm. so it's never com- almost completely out. Like it still has its heart and stomach and you know it's um, outside. It's head and its foot. Yeah, pretty much head and foot. That's the that's the whole thing. That's outside, and then the rest of it is actually inside the shell. So you can't really remove a snail from its shell and just have a slug. Right. It doesn't work that way. No, <laughs> no matter how many times SpongeBob takes Gary's shell <laughs> off to clean it. Um, well, a quick note about the invasiveness of this. So I saw an amusing little anecdote on the Wikipedia page, which actually isn't super amusing if you're a conservationist. Um, but 
so back in World War Two, when they had Americans stationed on uh, like uh, South Pacific islands, specifically Tahiti, um, they the U.S. government was like, it's it's getting uh, prohibitively expensive to feed you guys. Here are snails. So they gave them uh, giant African land snails, which escaped and just be, ran amok on the island. And then after the war, to when the U.S. was just fixing problems after that, um, they the government sent the Florida rosy wolf snail, which is a really it's a, it's a carnivorous snail that primarily eats other snails, sent that to Tahiti to go kill all of the giant African land snails. And then the rosy wolf snail ended up eating all of the indigenous snails on the island and not the giant African because land snail. Because it's huge, and how are you going to do that? Well, you eat them you when eat they're the babies. Young. Yeah. yeah. They're also, like, they're not... They sometimes eat each other. Yeah, the giant African land snail will sometimes be car- uh, cannibalistic. But yeah, the point that's, is that... That's a bad business model. Now there's just the wolf snail and the giant African land snail on Tahiti, and all of the native species of snail are almost completely eradicated. Disaster. Yep. Well... <laughs> Yeah, it's not really a fight fire with fire situation. I don't think it's ever really worked out where, like, oh my gosh, we have all of this, like, problematic species of plant or and or animal. We're going to introduce another one to fix it. It's like that song. Like, the f- old woman swallowed a fly. Yeah. Perhaps she'll die. Let's throw in a bunch of different animals after To it. go get the one thing. But the thing is, like, animals don't usually hunt other animals to extinction. Right. So you, nature is trying to find its like equilibrium, and th- so it's never, it's almost never going to work to have like, all right, well, this animal will go kill all of those animals, and then all of the animals that we just introduced will die of starvation, right? Like that's not how that no, works <laughs> because they start dying off before, because the strongest hunters will eat and the weakest ones will not. So and both will adapt right to it'll be a, a little arms race as they they don't have any arms they're just they're just stomach <laughs> foot foots. foot race they're foot stomach a foot race <laughs> <laughs> all right so do you want to talk about the major fact I'm ready all right so here's why these guys are so difficult to take to take care of to get rid of when once they've even if you've just got one to eradicate these guys are all right I, I just want to give a PSA. For the rest of this episode, we will be talking about snail reproduction. Um, and you'd be using words like male and female and hermaphrodite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is what these snails are. They are hermaphroditic. They have both male and female parts at all times. That's handy when you're trying... Or footy. Or footy. Or stomach footy. So they are also both male and female at all times, and they can be one or the other, or they can be both. So if two snails meet each other, and, um, well, they like a lot of the same movies, <laughs> they'll um, and they're the same size, around the same size, they will transfer genetic material to each other to fertilize the other's eggs. So it'll be a mutual fund. Wow. Um, okay. And if, but if, if one is bigger then that one will be the female because it has the greater chance of survival and therefore is the one that has the greater chance of seeing eggs to hatchery. Ha- ha- yeah. Hatchery. So 
that's how that works. If there are none around, then it can just fertilize itself. Ah, that's crazy. And if you see if you see the um the diagram, like its two parts are really really close together, so it's so not it just that jostles hard. its guts around and mm-hmm. then. <laughs> Jostles, it's gross. <laughs> it just rustles its jimmies. <laughs> rustles its own jimmies. <laughs> this is rare. And I know it's like the, our major fact, but like, and it's it's not a super common thing because it really doesn't do a lot for genetic diversity mm-hmm. to do that. Um, but you know that just that means that if you have your own snail. And it's just by itself, and you're like, oh, I won't have any snail babies. You you might be wrong about that. Right. Um, so even with just one, it mm-hmm. could be a huge problem could, for whatever area you're in. And if anybody tells you, hey, would you like to buy a male giant African land snail? You, you, Say false. You, you call baloney on that because <laughs> it's both. <laughs> so you, you call that number real quick and say, baloney? I have a falsity to report. The, the, the snail baloney hotline. <laughs> so... That's what that's what makes these guys very difficult to uh, get rid of. And there are other animals that are hermaphroditic and other animals that can uh, self-fertilize. Like the dinosaurs on Jurassic Park. They can't self-fertilize. Yeah, they, but, but they do change genders because of uh, they have frog DNA or something in there. Yeah, and there's another, there's that. like an African frog. A multiple frog can do that. Yeah. But they, they change genders in... Fish do that too a lot. And like times of necessity, necessity rather. Yeah. But the sn- the snail doesn't change genders. It is both genders. Right. Will kind of just take on whatever role if it's bigger or smaller, or just both. Both will there'll be a, a little genetic handshake there if they're the same size. Um. So, it, does it ever occur where both will carry the eggs and hatch them? If they're the same size, then they'll fertilize each other's eggs, okay. and both of them will lay eggs after that. I don't understand the like adaptive like point of just one of them not doing that. I guess it's like this is me spitballing here, but if there are two that are that are the same size, it's like well, we both have the like the same like chances Qualifications. of yeah same qual- same chances of uh, of survival and passing this along. So let's just double the chances, I guess. Um, but. If there's a bigger one, then the smaller one would be like, yeah, you definitely have the qualifications. I, oh, I, I read somewhere that it was um, it had to do with resource allocation. Okay, so you don't want to necessarily pollute the area with loads, like thousands, at least like 2,000 baby snails, or else there won't be enough food. I don't think that's what the snails think about. I don't <laughs> think they think about anything. <laughs> Maybe. I th- I don't know if it's like, oh, you're bigger, so you have more energy. Let me go get bigger so that I can be the lady this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. Um, here's some other little tidbits of information that I found. They are nocturnal. Okay. They live mostly underground and by themselves unless they're mating. And their shell is made of calcium. They don't start off with them. They have to go eat stuff to give them calcium. So they like to eat bones. And sand to give, oh, wow. give them that boost of, of calcium. And here's here's something for your trivia night. Um, they are sometimes used as an offering to the Brazilian god Obatala, the sky father and the creator of all humans. They're actually also used in African rituals, healing rituals. Well, it, Obatala is original. It's original. 
originated in Africa, ah. but is now in Brazil. Well, they, they think there there's a hypothesis that the current infestation in Miami was because they smuggled them in for African healing rituals, mm -hmm. where they will cut off the tip of the shell and drink the snail guts through the hole. You know what's right there at the tip of the shell? What's that? The snail's anus. Well, guess... <laughs> wait a minute, why? Where it, does the poo come out? It comes... The, when, when That's I saw, a scientific term, by the way. The... The loop, Where does it excrete? The loop kind of ends right there. So that's the first thing that you're going to encounter. Well, it, uh, apparently it promotes healing. <laughs> it also breathes from the top, from the nape of its neck. There's a breathing hole, kind of like a, a dolphin. Huh. So I guess it's kind of tough to breathe unless it's almost entirely out of its shell. Or maybe it can hold its breath for a long time. But maybe that's, the shell's got good ventilation. Yeah. Maybe it's got some, like... It's a screen, screen shell. Some nice screen doors <laughs> on, the, on the top side. But that's all I got for the giant African land sound. Do you have anything else? Nope. Was that the grossest one we've done, you think? Yes. <laughs> no. No. The freaking blood lizard. Oh, yeah. That's okay. the grossest one by far. That's true. Oh. For you. <laughs> I'm fine with it. <laughs> so, anyway. Whether you're male or female in a relationship... Try not to self-fertilize in life, death, and taxonomy. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't know what that even means. I don't know. It's not supposed to mean anything. Have you been feeling sluggish recently? Are you producing an abnormal amount of mucus? Have you felt the overwhelming urge to retreat into your shell? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you might have a cold or something. Or, you could be suffering from vitamin R deficiency. R for review. Just open up your Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, subscribe to Life, Death, and Taxonomy, and leave a review to see those symptoms disappear within four to five days. Warning, may result in automatic episode downloads, the ability to listen offline, and a warm thanks from your host at the end of the season. Subscribe and review today. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Brain Trust Brothers Network. For more information about this podcast or others, visit BrainTrustBros.com. Testing one, two, three. Everybody come with me. Something, something, something. Everybody that you meet has an original point of view. And I say, hey. Hey! hey! The hey! W! What? Hey! <laughs>